Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, and if you don't mind standing, if you're able, as we look into God's Word uh, tonight, Exodus chapter 30. And we are looking at the brazen laver, and it's called, uh, the subtitle, if you will, is The Place of Cleansing. The brazen laver, the the place of cleansing. Exodus chapter 30, we're going to look at a couple verses and jump here. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 17, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, in verse 18, chapter 30 of the book of Exodus, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and that shall be, it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. Now jump over with me to chapter 38, chapter 38 and verse 8, Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8. Moses writes here, he writes in chapter 38 and verse 8, And he made the laver of brass, and the foot of it of brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now jump over to chapter 40 and verse 7. Chapter 40 and verse 7. And thou shalt set the laver between the tent of the congregation and the altar, and shall put water therein. Father in heaven, again, we just ask that you would meet with us tonight. And uh, Lord, it's just a blessing to be around God's people, to have the wonderful privileges that we do to sing and to praise and to worship you. And Lord, just help us to never take that for granted. Father, there's many other things, as I mentioned earlier, that we could be doing tonight. And there's so many other things that are weighing on our minds and, and busy on our calendars and our schedules and other necessary things that must take place. But Lord, the most necessary event that can take place in our life is to meet with you to have that sweet fellowship and that guidance that only you can give. And so my prayer tonight, Father, is that you would just move amongst us and, and walk to and fro in the aisles. Just search our hearts. Show us areas in our life that need to be changed, molded, confessed, and uh, just I just ask that you would have your perfect will and way tonight. And again, it's my prayer. I know it's a Monday night, but Father, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that tonight would be that night that they would get it taken care of. Perhaps there's some folks who've been in church for a long time and they're just embarrassed or they don't know what people will think if they make a decision such as that. But Lord, help them to overcome any type of fear or nervousness about that. And the rest who know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that you would just meet with us. That's the whole purpose. Our whole desire for this week is for you to meet with us and change our lives. Help us to be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ in all that we say and all that we do. And we ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And I can remember when I was a kid, and it's getting more difficult as the older I get to remember when I was a kid. I'm not quite 63, but uh, I remember when I was a kid, I'm just saying, I'm pushing 60 though, I'm pushing 60, but uh, I can remember 
and which is just odd for me to even think about that, that I'm pushing 60. I'm only 51, but I can see it from here. I'm just saying. But I can, re- I can remember uh, when I was a kid, and, and I think I can speak for most adolescents in the world today that no one <laughs> really super enjoyed taking baths or showers. You know, I mean, if you were a kid, you're like, no. Yeah, I mean, all moms and dads understand exactly what I'm talking about right now. I can remember my mom always telling my brother and telling me, you need to take a shower. Why do I need to take a shower? Because you stink. I mean, you know, I mean, that's because I can smell you from across the, uh, from across the room. And what do kids say? But I shower. I already showered, son or daughter or whatever. That was three days ago that you showered. That was last Saturday. This is Monday. Anyone here besides me with me? Are you with me on that? I mean, kids are like, oh, I just know that was like three days ago or two days ago. You need to shower right now. Go in there and get in the shower. And then I, I don't remember the exact time, but I grew up liking to take showers. I, I grew to like taking showers and actually smelling like a normal person. I don't, you know, as you progress in your, in your youth and, and you get to that age, and, and I probably once I hit a high school, I don't really recall, but I, I enjoyed taking showers and, man, alive, just feeling fresh and brushing your teeth and all that good stuff. I mean, it's refreshing. It's kind of the same way with naps. You know, I, I would almost pay for naps today. You know, if I was a grown man, I'm like, man, I, little kids, I don't want to go down for a nap. I'll take their place. I'll go. I'll, I'll sleep. You know, same way. Now, the crazy thing young people don't understand, and I just don't think they understand that. You know, they're just young people. That's why they have parents, I mean, to guide them and to direct them. But the crazy thing young people don't understand is that one shower doesn't cut it until you die. I mean, you can't just take one shower and say, okay, you're good, until next year at the same time. That, that doesn't work. You have to shower over and over and over again. Am I, am I right on that? You're, and sometimes multiple times a day you need to shower. And so let me put it this way. If my kids want to have fellowship with their parents in our home, they're going to shower. Amen? It's required. It's required. Now, as we get into the text uh, this, this evening, the next furnishing, as it pertains to the tabernacle, we find God's method in maintaining purity, maintaining cleanness in His children, if you will. And we continue, as we continue with our, with our process of looking at the furnishings of the tabernacle and have looked at both the outer court and uh, with the gate, as Brother Marshall mentioned there, and the brazen altar, the gate, remember, showed us that there's only one way into the tabernacle court. There's only one way you can go in on that east side, and there's one gate, and we talked about that at length on Sunday, and it symbolizes that there's only one way into the presence of God, and we know that that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. As the children of Israel wanted to come into the tabernacle and wanted to come into the courtyard, they had to go through that gate on the east side. And it pictures Jesus Christ, of course. And so the brazen altar that we saw next shows us that the first step that we must take to have a right relationship with the Lord once we go through the proper gate is there needs to be an acceptable sacrifice. In order for a priest to take any further step closer to meeting with the Lord, in order for us to be reconciled to the Father in heaven, blood must be shed. See, there's, there's, a, there's a progress. Again, there's this, a systematic progress that we talked about. There's the gate that gets into the courtyard, and then you have the brazen altar, the need for reconciliation, the need for an atonement. Remember, we're heading this way. We're going this way, and you have the labor that we're going to talk about tonight, and then you get to the actual tent tabernacle, and you step inside, and then you have the other furnishings therein with the whole goal of going past the veil into the very presence of God. I'm just saying, he had an elaborate system set up whereby we could have, whereby they could have fellowship with him. And so, 
In Old Testament days, the blood of the animal, uh, a sacrificial animal had to be shed and applied to the horns of the altar, as we talked about. And then on the Day of Atonement, the blood would be, would be brought into the, uh, on the mercy seat in the most holy place. And today we know, of course, we have access to the Father because Jesus Christ shed His precious blood nearly 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Man alive, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for what God has done for us today. I'm thankful that we can have this peace and we can have the joy and we can have the assurance of our salvation. We can have help in our living and with our family, with our children, with our job, with our finances, on and on and on because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know how the world does it out there without Him. Well, actually, they don't do it, do they? They're not doing it. They, they think that they are, but they're not. And whosoever accepts Him, of course, Christ as their personal Savior, has that shed blood applied to their life and, and their sins are cleansed white as snow. And so today, God expects us to be a living sacrifice. We talked about that last night with that brazen altar. You know, there's no more sacrifices today. The, blood of, the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats did nothing back then but roll those sins over for the next year. And they would do more sacrifices and it just rolled sins over and rolled sins over until Calvary when Christ paid for them all. And so we don't have animal sacrifices now. As we talked about last night, He wants us to be a living sacrifice. He wants us to present our bodies to Him and stay on that altar. And Lord willing, we're trying to stay on that altar. Lord willing, we're trying to continue to be that living sacrifice for Him. So as we continue moving into the courtyard, and the Old Testament priests made their way past that brazen altar, the next furnishing that they would come to would be this brass laver uh, of cleansing. And I kind of liken it, you know, in my mind, I, I see this all in my head. It's just trying to get it out sometimes. I picture... I picture the gate here to get into the courtyard, and then the very first thing we come to is perhaps this, you know, is that brazen altar, and then we come a little bit further in, and here's this brass laver that we're talking about. Go ahead and put it up on the screen, if you will. This is the brass, this is what it does not look like. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I don't know, uh, uh, no one really knows, and as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about that. This is the, the, the furnishing that has the least information about it. And so we come here, and here's this brass laver, and then I kind of liken it a few steps further, because the Bible specifically says that the laver has to be between the, burnt, the, uh, the uh, altar of a, a sacrifice and, and, the, and the tabernacle. So I kind of liken it right here, and maybe I'll put a slide up in the next day or two, seeing an overall thing. But here we see the brass laver or the basin. Now, as I mentioned, there's not a lot of information about this at all, about the size of this laver. When you look in, in, in the book of Exodus, and there's just not a lot of information about its actual size. But Exodus 38 tells us that the materials for the bronze basin came from the free will offerings of the women. The women gave this offering. Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8, and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it brass of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So all the women gave up their looking glasses or they gave up their mirrors to make this brass laver. Now, you know what that means? I'm not going there. So, it means the women didn't have any looking glasses after that. Let's just move on. I'm just... No, honey, it's over on this side. <laughs> anyway, uh, it means they didn't have any mirrors anymore. Let's keep going. So, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 18. You want to follow me on that? That's kind of funny. I think it's kind of funny. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 18 tells us that the builder was to make the brass basin with a brass pedestal. And of all the furnishing, again, this is one that has the least amount of information on how it was built. But one thing we do know, it was made how the Lord showed it to Moses on the mount. 
Because the Lord told Moses a couple different times, as I have shown you on the mount. And so Moses had all this in his head. And then he, of course, recorded it for us in the Pentateuch here that we have uh, how it was built, but we don't know exactly what it looked like. And this is one of the least ones that we do know how it looks. So what was the purpose of this brass laver? Well, the brass laver, this wash basin, if you will, uh, uh, played a very significant role in the priest's service to God. Now, the, the Word of God tells us that the bronze basin was to be placed after the altar of burnt offering and before the tabernacle for a reason. And so let's just jump back in our minds and think about this for a second. Before the priest could go into the holy place and into the most holy place, his first order of business, remember, is what we looked at last night, was this brazen altar. There had to be a sacrifice, a burnt offering. Blood had to be shed. A sacrifice had to be offered to appease the righteousness of a holy God, especially on the Day of Atonement. Because remember, the priest, as they're doing all these things, Certainly, there's sacrifices every single day. The fire is never going to go out. But the priest only went into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was one day out of the year on the Day of Atonement. I mean, he was able to go into the tabernacle here every single day and go to the uh, golden candlestick and the table of showbread and, and, and the altar of incense, but he was not allowed to go through that veil and into the presence of a holy God except for one day a year on the Day of Atonement, and he had to certainly take the blood from the, from the, altar, uh, from the burnt offering, from the burnt altar, uh, the altar of burnt offering. And, and so this was very important. Blood had to be shed. Sacrifice had to be offered to appease God. And now, this bronze wash basin that we're looking at tonight was the next step in following the path of holiness and entering into the presence of God. And this signified or symbolized the cleansing of the priest. Just follow me on this. I know there's a lot of detail here, but it'll come together here in just a second. So this brazen, this brass laver that was perhaps right around in here before you went any further signified the cleansing of the Old Testament priest. So the sole purpose of this bronze wash basin was for the priest to wash their hands and wash their feet to purify themselves in the sight of God in order to make them acceptable into His presence. And this is big stuff going on right here. If they're going to go, especially on the Day of Atonement, especially on the Day of Atonement, to actually go into His presence, I'm telling you what, they're going to have to stop by this brass laver. Look in chapter 30 again. Go back in chapter 30 and verse 19. It's all going to come together here. Just in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 19. It says, For Aaron and his sons... Uh, uh, they had to to wash their hands and their feet to purify them. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 19 shows us that. It says, For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not, or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So both hands and feet, they were to wash when they entered the tabernacle, before they were going to go into the tabernacle, and when they uh, uh, approached the altar to make a sacrifice. Both hands and feet had to be washed. They had to get in there and wash their hands and their feet, for the priest could not minister with hands that have not been washed and cleansed. God was not going to allow that. Nor nor can he walk about and minister for the Lord until his feet have been cleansed. That's what we read there in verses 19-20. Everyone with me on this? And so the, the brazen laver symbolized the washing away of sin and the cleansing and the forgiveness of sin. Man alive. 
atonement, listen, atonement was made at the brazen altar. The sacrifice had been made there. But the laver here that they would wash with signified daily cleansing before a holy God. It signified daily cleansing. The truth is, now, let's think about this today. Now, the truth is, in 1975 is when I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior in Prospect, Kansas. Anyone know where Prospect, Kansas is? It's just on the, just on the east side of El Dorado. Everyone, you know, Ron Jones, Temple Baptist Church. I started attending Temple Baptist in, in El Dorado, Kansas in 1980, and my mom is still a member there. And I got saved uh, uh, just on the east side of town, a little, little uh, prospect, uh, there's a little community there. In 1975, I trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. And so follow me on this. I was forgiven for all of my sins in 1975. Now, this is hard for me to comprehend in my little brain. But in 1975, I was forgiven for all my past sins. I was forgiven for all my present sins. And I was even forgiven for all the sins I'm ever, ever going to commit. They've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. That's kind of hard for me to comprehend. That the sins I'm going to commit next week and tomorrow or tonight or whatever... I've technically already been forgiven for in 1975. He's washed away my sins. He's cleansed them. They're not there any longer. They're gone. They've been under the, they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. But here's the key that we need to understand as we look at this labor and this need for the uh, priest for daily cleansing. What we need to understand here is if I want fellowship with my Lord, which is what these priests were working for or working towards to have fellowship with Him, because remember the atonement, the sacrifice had been made, but if they're going to progress, especially into the Holy of Holies, then they're going to have to have daily cleansing. In 1975, I've been forgiven for every sin I've ever committed and going to commit. But if I want fellowship with my Lord today, if you want fellowship with your Lord today, if I'm going to enter into His presence, then I'm going to have to have daily cleansing. I'm going to have to have daily cleansing every single... Well, wait a minute. You you were saved in 1975. You were forgiven for your sins. You've been forgiven today. Yes, but I still have to have cleansing every single day. I still, if I'm, if I want to have, if I want to bask in His presence, if I want His good hand to be upon me, if I want help for my, for my, for my family, for my job and finances and children and all these types of things, I'm telling you what, friend, I'm going to have to have daily cleansing from the Lord. You see, God is always serious about holiness. Man, life. He is a thrice holy God. You know, you talk, people say, you know, what do you think? Give me a definition of God. And, you know, you'll come from all ends of the spectrum. But most people say, well, God is a God of love. Yes, that is a, he is a God of love. But do you realize that he's a thrice holy God? And, and he, he is serious about holiness for you and for me. He commanded us to be holy as I am holy. And notice again the warning that was given to the priest in, in chapter 30 and verse 21. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. So they're to wash their hands and their feet. Why? Why do you, why do you need to wash? Why, Old Testament priests, do you have to stop at this brass, brass laver to wash so that they wouldn't die while trying to go into his presence to minister unto him? The, the warning was clear and to the point, the priest must wash or you're going to die. And the reason for this, folks, is because, again, God is a holy God, and He's not going to allow any sin into His presence. Do we understand that today? I don't know that we fully understand that. Because we want to have fellowship with Him, and oftentimes I think that we think that we're having fellowship with Him, but if we have sin in our life, if we have known sin and unconfessed sin in our life, we're not having fellowship with Him. 
We think that we are, and we tell people that we are, but we're not. Hold your spot here and turn with me the, the book of 1 John real quick. 1 John is a, is a key passage of Scripture that deals with this. John writes about this in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and look in verse 3. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write I unto you, that your joy may be full. Notice what he says in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Do we realize how bright and how light, how much light He is? There is no darkness whatsoever in the person of Jesus Christ. There is no darkness, there is no sin, there is nothing, nothing evil or wicked. He cannot even allow sin into His presence. The book of Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13 tells us, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. I'm telling you what, God is so pure, He is so bright, He is so much light, that He cannot allow any sin to enter into His presence. And look what it continues then, and there in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And so what he's telling us there, if we say we have fellowship with him, how's your walk with the Lord? Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, the Lord and I are just like this. You know, things are going well. But what John is telling us here is that if we want to have fellowship with him, if we want him to meet with us, and we have unconfessed sin, if there is not daily cleansing from the word of God in our lives, then we are not having fellowship with him at all. We are lying and the truth is not in us. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of harsh to call someone a liar, but that's exactly what John is saying there. If I say, yeah, my walk with the Lord is good, and, and, and yeah, I, I, he's helping me, and he's wanting to, I'm wanting him to help me and help my family, but if there is unconfessed sin in our life, then, then that means that there's darkness in our life. And I'm not going to spend time to go into the multiple scriptures that talk about how sin is pictured as darkness in the life of a believer, But if we have darkness in our life, then how in the world can darkness enter into pure light? It can't. You know, when I came in here in the auditorium this evening or this afternoon and turned the lights on, darkness fled. You go into a dark room, you know, wake up at 3 a.m. and turn your light on and see what happens to the darkness. It's going to flee, isn't it? Because darkness and light cannot cohabitate. They can't stay together. When there's light, there can be no darkness. And if I, as a born-again believer, say, yeah, I was saved in 1975, once saved, always saved, praise the Lord for that, and I don't need to confess my sins, or I don't need to spend daily time at the cleansing of the labor, I don't need to do that, or I'm too busy to do that, or, and all these other things. Let me tell you what, friend, you're not having any fellowship with the Lord. Because if there's darkness in your life, if there's sin in your life, if, if there's unconfessed sin going on, then you're going to have to be pushed out of His presence. I don't care what you say. I don't care how much you claim to love the Lord and how much you claim that the Lord's doing this and the Lord's doing that. If there's unconfessed sin in your life, if you're harboring sin, you're not having fellowship with Him. It's, 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 a, it's an impossibility because light pushes away darkness and God is light. And, and so therefore, there, there, there's the need to have this sin confessed before Him on a daily basis. And the priests, the priests' very lives depended upon obedience. They could not afford to skip this station and go into the tabernacle. They could, not, they could not, you know, have this brazen altar and have the sacrifice and say, I'm too busy for the cleansing. I'm going to go ahead and go on in here and minister on the Lord. You know what they were going to be doing? They're going to be dragging them out because they were dead. And here I am as a believer today, 
I've walked through the right door of Jesus Christ and there's been a, a sacrifice for my sins and I'm wanting to have fellowship with Him, but I'm too busy to read or I'm too busy to pray and confess my sins. And then I'm over here and I come to church and say, oh yeah, praise the Lord, love the Lord. Oh yeah, you're not having any fellowship with Him. But why, how, how can you say that? Because you're too busy to stop by here at the labor for cleansing? What's our labor today? Well, it's on bended knee and through the revealed Word of God. I'm just saying, folks, if you're too busy to pray, you're probably not having the fellowship that you think that you are. It's what the Bible says. I'm not saying that. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, my walk with the Lord's pretty good. Yep. Well, how's your prayer life? And preacher, it's been so busy. Been so many things going on with the wife and the kids and or the husband and the family and all that stuff. Man, my prayer... But I'm telling you what, then then if, there's not, if you're not spending time daily cleansing, then you're going through motions and God's good hand is not upon you like it could be. Everyone with me on that? I mean, that's just what, that's what it's saying. The priest's very lives, their lives depended on them stopping at this labor. And might I just say, folks, your lives depend upon it. Your lives depend upon spending time at this labor and making certain that your heart is right and pure before Him. If you really want to have the Christian experience, if I, can, I don't even know if that's the right way to say if you really want to have God's good hand upon you, listen, I think sometimes we're just so used to mediocre Christianity that we don't really know what it's like, myself included, to really get alone with God and really to, uh, to spend time in His Word and, and really spend time in prayer with Him. You know that song, Sweet Hour of Prayer? It's more like sweet five minutes of prayer for most believers today because we don't spend time at this labor confessing our sins and spending time in fellowship with Him to allow Him to cleanse those things so that we can move on and have that sweet fellowship with Him. So these priests couldn't afford to, to wash later. God was serious about this, very serious. An acceptable sacrifice had been made at the brazen altar, but then a person had to be washed and cleansed before approaching Him and before serving Him. I'm going to go in and minister into the tabernacle, not until you spend time in prayer. Well, I'm going to teach a Sunday school. How about that, Brother Marshall? Before Sunday, next Sunday, before Sunday school class, the pastor says, hey, have you spent time in prayer? Because you're not going in to minister until you've spent time at the labor. You're not going to sing in the choir until you've spent time at the labor. You're not going to, you're not going to have this ministry. This, you're not getting on that bus route until you've spent time at the labor. Well, how dare could a pastor ask something like that? Well, God's Word's pretty clear about that. Before these Old Testament priests could go any further, unless they die, they better spend time here and make certain that they're, they're, they're washed and they're cleansed. Everyone still with me on that? Everyone still love your guest speaker? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Brother Marshall loves me, that's all that matters. Miss Pam? I don't know. But anyway, um... <laughs> oh man. Listen, we're not surprised, surprised to find that washing with water is frequently mentioned in the New Testament. Ephesians 5, John 3, Hebrews 10. And in every instance, in every instance, it is unmistakable, it's an unmistakable event that the cleansing of the soul is from the defilement of sin is to be understood when we're talking about the washing of the water. How do we become sanctified today? I mean, certainly there's prayer and we have to confess our sins, but how do we stay pure before God? Well, the Bible tells us that we're made clean through His Word. So you have to have prayer, but you also have to have God's Word. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. 
He said in John 15, 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the brazen altar that we talked about yesterday shows us it pointed to the atoning work of Jesus Christ, and this brass laver points to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to keep us clean, coinciding with our prayer life. Bible reading and prayer life. I mean, I'm telling you what, that's the staple of Christianity right there. People come into my office and with difficulties and problems. You know what, Brother Marshall, you know what the first thing I ask them? How are you doing in your Bible reading and your prayer time? Very first question I have. And they know I'm going to ask them, how's your Bible reading and your prayer time? Well, okay, time out. Then we have a problem. Because if your Bible reading and your prayer time, we're, we're, we're sanctified through his word. In our prayer time, we're getting our sins confessed before him so that we can actually have fellowship with him. If you're too busy to read and to pray, you're busier than God ever intended you to be. Far busier. And you just don't know what my schedule is. Oh, okay, so we get an exemption then from the Lord of being sanctified through his word and, and keep it. No, we don't get any exemptions. He, he, he commands us, the priest, the priest, man, it's been a busy day, Aaron. It's been a busy day. We're just going to bypass this brazen labor. We're going to go on in and trim the lamps, you know. And we're going to go on in there. Okay, you go ahead and go on in there and see how it works out for you. God's going to strike him dead. And in his grace, he won't do that to us today. In his grace, we'll certainly grieve him because we haven't stopped by and spent time with him at the labor, and we haven't spent time in his word. We certainly uh, uh, will grieve him, but what he won't do is he won't have his good hand upon us like I need to have in my daily living. And like, do we understand that we must have his hand upon us every single day if we really want to be blessed by him? I, I'm, so, I, I'm, so, I don't, I, I'm so tired of mediocre Christianity in my life. I want God to do something miraculous in my life. And, I, and so if I'm going to do that, I have to go through his plan. If the brazen altar shows us that the guilt of sin can be canceled by the blood of Jesus Christ, then this labor here shows us that the, the, the defilement of sin can be washed away on a daily basis. Because, listen, we mess up, don't we? You say, well, Pastor, that's all great. Brother Neil, that's all great. But is it... Is this whole thing really that important to us? Is it that important? Well, it is if you desire to have fellowship with a, with a holy God. Uh, we all want to have fellowship with a holy God. Then this is very important to us. It is if you want to know what God expects, if you desire to come into His presence. Let, let me ask it this way. Anyone besides me who's already saved, you know, I've been saved for a long period of time. Anyone besides me that you've messed up lately? You've made some poor decisions. Come on, every, room, every hand in the auditorium ought to be up on this one. You've messed up and you've made some poor decisions and you oh man, like, man, I can't believe I did that or I can't believe I thought that or I can't believe I said those things or I behaved that way or whatever it might be. And perhaps you've messed up lately, but you've admitted that you've messed up lately, but you still desire to have fellowship with Him. I mean, because we do, don't we? I mean, I messed up and I, I still desire, man, I have that burning desire in my soul to have Fellowship with the Holy God. If I uh, messing up from time to time, and you know the the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, and we make those dumb choices. But then the man over here, and I'm convicted by that. I'm convicted by the poor decisions that I've made, and I desire to have fellowship with Him. If that's the case, then I'm going to have to spend time at this brass laver. I'm going to have to spend time in His presence, confessing my sins. So the application here is very clear. 
If the punishment for the priests to purify themselves, the washing of the hands and the feet with water, was punishable by death, how horrible must an impure heart be in the sight of God? You see, we need to understand something very important here. The priests were required to draw near to God, not only with clean hands and clean feet, but most importantly, what God was looking for with these Old Testament priests was a pure heart. You know what he wants from me? He wants a pure heart. He wants a heart that's bent towards him. This whole ceremony, this whole thing, this whole ceremony at the labor when they're washing their hands and they're washing their feet before they go to the brazen altar or before they go into his presence, this whole ceremony really symbolized the need for a pure heart because that's what God's looking for, folks, is a pure heart. Is, is the Lord really that concerned with our hands and our feet? Well, look with me. Hold your spot here and turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Here, the religious leaders, if you'll remember, were given the Lord Jesus Christ a, a very hard time because his disciples didn't wash their hands before eating. And I got to say, having kids, amen. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I can see where they're coming from. At any rate, Matthew chapter 15, they were giving his disciples him a hard time because they didn't wash their hands before eating. And so they said in verse 2, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 2, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Look down to verse 11. Jesus said this in verse 11, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that this defileth a man. Skip down to verse 16. Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not yet ye understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So even back in Old Testament times, if I could say it this way, going back to this brazen laver with the children of Israel here at the tabernacle, if I could say it this way, I don't believe I'm doing any damage to the Scriptures. If I could say it this way, the Lord wasn't overly concerned about the hands and the feet of the priests. He told them, I want you to wash your hands and I want you to wash your feet if you're going to minister unto me. But I don't believe he was overly concerned about their actual hands and their feet. He was concerned more about the matter of the heart. And that's what he's concerned about with you and me today. He's concerned about this heart right here. It all, listen, it all pointed the need to have a right heart with God. Because let me just say this. No worship rendered by anyone can be pleasing unto God, the Holy One of Israel, however clean the hands might be, if the heart is polluted. No, no, no amount of worship. I don't care what you do. I don't care how many ministries that you have here at Riverside Baptist Church. I don't care if you're the first one here to show up and the last one to leave and doing all these things. If your heart's not right before God, then you cannot be pleasing unto Him. As a matter of fact, He won't even allow you into His presence. That's a bummer. And that's a bummer. There's a lot of Christians who are doing a lot of things in ministry and they're not being found pleasing unto Him for the simple fact that their hearts are not where they need to be. And man alive, Brother Marshall, that's a tall order right there because there's a lot of things that can pollute this heart. It's not just, well, I don't look at that stuff. I don't listen to that music. Well, are you angry with your neighbor? Are you, are you bitter against someone? Are you, are, are you a gossip? Are you a busybody? Are, are, you, there's many things that can condemn this heart that we need to make certain is pure before Him. 
Because I'm telling you what, we can all shower and we can all clean up. New shirt tonight. I don't know if you know this or not, Brother Marshall. New shirt Dina got me today. And uh, it looks sharp. We can put a new, new uh, shirt on. We can put a clean up and put on our Sunday best. But I'm telling you what, if the heart is not where it needs to be, then we cannot draw any closer to the tabernacle. We cannot draw any closer to fellowship with Him, period. Period. It's just not going to happen. So the ministry of, of the labor here is of great spiritual significance, significance in our Christian experience. The, the brazen labor shows us our need for sanctification, which just is, is a big word for being set apart from Him, for Him. So I got saved in 1975, and man, there's so much that goes into this. And I'm saved, saved in 1975, and I've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Predestination has to deal with a born-again believer being conformed to his image. Not having anything to do with salvation. Predestination means that I will ultimately be conformed to his image. Either when I die or when I see him face to face at the rapture. I will be conformed to his image. And, and so here I am. I was saved in 1975. And I'm on this walk. This Christian walk in, in 2019. And what God is wanting to do with me. And what he's wanting to do with you. Is to set you apart. To sanctify you for the work of the ministry. Whatever it might be. At Riverside Baptist Church, that's what he's wanting to do. And so he says, I have a great work for you to do, but what I need you to do, I know I saved your soul and your sins have been forgiven, but you must have daily cleansing if you're going to be of use for the Master. There's just no two ways about it, folks. You can't, there's no plan B. There, you can't, the, the priest can't, there's no, there's no viable option for the priest to get around this to get into the presence of a holy God. It, it just wasn't going to work. So, the brazen labor shows us our need for this sanctification. And so what this means is that you cannot, we cannot, I cannot live like the world out there. I cannot live like the world and behave like the world and live in the sin and the stench of the world and still expect the audacity to still expect to have a wonderful relationship with Him. It's just not going to work. God sees right through that. I can't go out there and listen to the world's music and watch the filth and the junk on the, uh, on the TV and, and, and all those things that the world's doing. I, I can't be a part of all that and then come at Riverside Baptist Church and say, oh, bless the Lord, what sweet fellowship I'm having with Him. God says, that's not happening. You're, you're supposed to be sanctified. You're supposed to be set apart. You're supposed to be different than everyone else. You're, 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 this is what's supposed to happen in your life. David... David summed up the believer standing before the Lord very clearly when he wrote in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? He who hath clean hands and a pure heart. That's who's going to stand before the Lord. You want to stand before the Lord today? Clean hands and pure heart. Listen, there are many, again, many things that entangle the believer. And, 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 and we have to constantly, constantly be on guard. And we have to constantly, we have to watch regularly and faithfully uh, by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ who alone can wash away our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The psalmist said, I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Isaiah wrote, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Paul wrote, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. James said, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Listen to what he says. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's what James said. And perhaps the most familiar passage, 1 John 
1.9, speaking to believers, speaking to people like you and me, John wrote, if we confess our sins, praise the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness and life. Well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. Oh, mercy sakes alive. Every single day, we need to stop by this, this brass laver, if you will, and confess our sins before God. Because for, the whole, for what purpose? So that I might have fellowship with Him. So that He might bless me. Bless the work of my hands. Bless the fruit that we're trying to produce. As these Old Testament priests walked up to the laver, maybe they saw those looking glasses in there, the looking glasses of the women. Perhaps they walked up to that and, and, and they looked in there and they saw that and they were reminded of their sinfulness before a holy God. Why would he ask for the looking glasses of women? Be, which means there shouldn't be any looking glasses for men, by the way, but I'm just saying, why would he look for the look? Why should there be looking glasses for women? Why did he want that in there? Well, so they could be reminded of just who they were before a holy God. And sometimes, friends, we need to just be reminded listen, lest we start thinking a little bit more highly of ourselves than we should, perhaps they were reminded and perhaps we need to be reminded that I need this cleansing before I can enter into His presence. I must have this cleansing. And it's no different for us today. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, man alive, the atonement, the sacrifice has already been made. But we constantly need to be reminded of who we are. And it's not like we have this defeated attitude because I'm also reminded that I'm a joint heir to the throne of God with Jesus Christ. I'm also reminded that I'm one of His children. I've been adopted into the family of God. I have this treasure within. I'm telling you what, there's great and mighty things that are on my, uh, in my future because of my relationship with Christ. But He also wants us to, re- to remind us that, listen, we still have this sin nature that needs to be dealt with. We still have this sin nature that needs to be put under and, 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 and keep under control. We need to be reminded that we are redeemed sinners who need to be regularly washed, cleansed, and forgiven for our sin. How many times have you told your kids, it's time to take a shower? I mean, come on. How many times have you told them it's time to take a shower? If I had a dime for that, I'd have a whole lot of money. And you, you, Come on, time to take a shower. And they respond, why? You know, why? My kid, when our kids were younger, man, it was always, why, Dad, why? And, and you know, I don't know, I don't want to take a shower. It was just when they were little. And we always tell them, remember what you tell them, because you're dirty, because you're filthy. You've been playing in the park, or you have, you've been playing with the dogs. There's, there's dirt on the side of your face. Can you not see that? You, you, you're, it's horrible. And you know what? Sometimes we just don't see our own dirt, and sometimes someone else has to remind us that it's there, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does through His Word. He reminds us gently and lovingly, but yet pointedly, you need cleansing. So he, he does that by, by the way of the labor to make sure that our sins are confessed before Him before we try to meet Him with Him. And perhaps our walk with the Lord, maybe it's not where it needs to be. I, I don't know. Perhaps it's been a while since you've spent some time in the presence of the Lord. I'm just telling you, I know how people are. I know how I am. And sometimes we can just get busy. Come on, come on, help me out here. Sometimes we can just get busy and our prayer life suffers, doesn't it? It would be, it would be embarrassing I think, in Christianity as a whole, if we knew the amount of time that Christians spend actually in prayer. And we're going to get to that when we get to the altar of incense. But how much time that we actually spend in prayer. But you know what that's telling me? That that we're not spending time at the labor confessing our sins before Him. I mean, I'm telling you what, we need to spend some time at the labor 
confessing our sins before Him. And as the Word of God, as the mirror of the Word of God shows us, confessing that and confessing that, maybe it's been a little bit of time since we have spent in time with the Lord. But the good news is, when you come to Him, guess what He'll do? Cleanse you. Oh man, when you come to Him, all you have to do is get on that bended knee, cleansed. And He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the amazing part about our walk with the Lord is that all we have to do is to confess that before Him. And really, since I was saved in 1975, when I get on my knees and I confess my sins before Him, technically I've already been forgiven, but what I'm doing, what we're doing when we spend time at this labor is we're agreeing that He's right and we're wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And to the best of my ability, I'll try to never do that again. To the best of my ability, Lord, with Your strength, I'll never. I'll try not to ever, ever do that again. Lord, would you give me strength? Would you, would you help me out with this? Would you give me the power to say no? Listen, God's not going to. God's not going to remove. Why? Why? Why would the Lord? I say we have a problem with smoking. What's the Lord? Lord, will please take away all the cigarettes in the world. Why would He do that? How about you just? He gives you the strength and the power to say no because you are in control of the actions that you do. And so, Lord, would you give me strength? And when we confess that before Him, He'll forgive us. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from what? All sin. All sin. Have you spent time at the laver? Oh yeah, you've got, you've got we're, we're here. Come on, it's Monday night. I'm in the independent, fundamental, King James, loving, devil-hating Baptist church. Of course I'm, I'm, I'm here. I've gone through that door. I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive me. I know the atonement has been made, and I'm doing the best of my ability to stay on that altar as a born-again believer. That's fine, but, but have you confessed your sins? Is your heart where it needs to be with the Lord? Is there something going on in your life that you haven't confessed, that you're holding on to? Some bitterness, some angers. I don't know. I mean, we can spend all night naming stuff, but the Lord knows, and you probably know, areas of your life that need to be confessed. Because here's the goal. I want to get over here. I want to get into His presence. I want to be able to minister with my hands. I want to be able to serve with my feet. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want God to use me. Listen, there's a room full of people here, and God's going to use someone to get the job done. He's going to use someone, but you know what He's looking for? Clean hands, pure heart, clean feet. He's looking for that one those ones whose sins are confessed that He can use to do a great job, a mighty work here at Riverside Baptist Church. So where do you stand tonight? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we come into Your presence tonight. And Lord, I'm so thankful that You allow us to have the opportunity to serve. And Lord, we desperately need clean hands and clean feet, but we need a pure heart before You, Lord. I, I want to be used by you, and I believe everyone in this room wants to be used by you in a great and mighty way. But Father, we can have no fellowship with you if we have unconfessed sin in our life. It's just not going to happen. Light cannot cohabit with, with darkness. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would search our hearts and show us. Lord, we probably already know those areas of our life that need to be confessed. We already know, Father, that our shortcomings are that sin that doth so easily beset us. Lord, help us to have sweet fellowship with you, but only because we've spent time at this labor. Lord, do a great and mighty work in our hearts tonight. Maybe again, as I mentioned, there's someone that's not certain that heaven is their home. I pray that tonight they would come once and for all and get that ultimate cleansing 
through the shed blood of Christ. Lord, meet with us. Have your hand upon us. Use us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet if you need to come this evening. Have a verse of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, say, man, Lord, maybe you just need to pray that the Lord help you with your prayer life or your Bible reading or however the Lord sees fit. If God's spoken to your heart, why don't you come right on this first verse. Search me, O God, and know. Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let him have his way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you again.